Blog Talk Radio. Come back home 
quantum universally from this working temple of House of the Divine Prince. High potions, hoodoo central, and, and during carnival season, this becomes Black Hawk Voodoo Central. <laughs> In this legendary, historic, beautiful, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana. Go dig up, baby doll. In this land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this hoodoo obey a life path and journey. Passing down the great Obia stick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, and indeed the legacy, culture, and traditions, the history of our sacred stories, our sacred stories. Please do stop and like, follow, subscribe on all platforms that you might be visiting. And most certainly, YouTube.com forward slash V-O-O-D-O-O-T-Y-E. My head off to YouTube. And also at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. I know some of y'all call that hyphen a dash, but it's indeed a hyphen. Okay. And I certainly appreciate you all stopping to like, follow, subscribe on all platforms. And please share with a friend, share with a frenemy, share with the ignorant, share with the wise. But by all means, please share, for indeed all is a blessing. And so I pause and I breathe. And before we move forward, understanding that the creation of sacred space is critical to all that we do, all we are, who we are, where we be at any given moment in this present time space. Understanding that we create and we create our own reality. It's not, in, it's not dictated by the weather. It's not dictated by people, places, or things or events, usually temporary, temporal events, but certainly by that which we create and recreate within our hearts, within our consciousness, within our minds, within our third eye, within our creative spaces of our, of our minds, and then, of course, that which we project from our mouths, remembering that just because you don't say it, doesn't mean that energy does not uh, escape the confines of your skull. For indeed, once you see it, you, you're already vibrating it. You're already saying it. You're already speaking it into the universe. And I think that's why the magical book makes a reference about uh, a man uh, having sin with a woman with his eye without necessarily having touched and I know there are women under the sound of my voice right now, men under the sound of my voice right now, who thoroughly understand the dynamics of that man. And so we create sacred space within our minds, our hearts, our spirits, not creating anything that we don't wish to exist within our universe, not wanting to create and recreate that which we do not wish to exist in our reality. 
So I wake up in the morning. I, I get up during the day. I stop and think it to myself. I stop and say it out loud that I am. I am because my creators are. And if you haven't heard it today, if you haven't heard it lately, if you haven't heard it before, the black woman is God. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. Therefore, I am born God, just as I am born human, just as we are born animals and mammal in nature, but divine in our spirit, divine in our origins, understanding that our origins escape the physical laws of materiality, of the, of the material realm, of the physical realm, of the earth realm. And so I am because my creators are all-powerful, open, and receptive to all that operates for my good here and now in this most present moment in time space. I create and recreate the reality that mirrors my best interest. I am releasing and letting go of those things which impede my progress. The fire that dwells within consumes all but the truth. So indeed, I am humble. I am grateful. I am blessed. I walk in the anointing. We never lost our connection to spirit to the anointing, to the ancestors, to indeed the creator itself. And spiritual knowledge and power, as I say and remind you each and every day, lies in its efficacy, its ability to produce and manifest powerful, reliable, tangible, lasting manifestation and results right here and now in this moment in time space. All else is vanity, all else is ego. All else is an illusion. And I am indeed humbled and honored by each and everyone present with me today, all those I've already acknowledged, those I may have missed. Greetings, the infinite one. I love when my local New Orleanians come through and, and give some love and support. I certainly appreciate you. Uh, Materia Daniel, and blessings to you and yours as well. Beloved, thank you so much to all who show up and show out each and every day, no matter what time of day it is in your time zone. Greetings, Jean Williams. Thank you so much. And we certainly appreciate our international audience, the UK, the US, of course, and Canada, Hong Kong, who suddenly have taken just a great interest in our show. <laughs> and I've been getting uh, Hong Kong uh, listeners daily uh, to the podcast, to the blog, to the broadcast. So we certainly do um, appreciate them. We say appreciate Ghana and Nigeria and uh, Morocco and who else is on my page today? Algeria, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, Uganda, Kenya, Zambia, South Africa, Brazil, Argentina, hello to my to my house in Brazil. Beloved, greetings and salutations. Carl Rosario, peace and love to you as well, beloved. And send my love and support to the priestess. Venezuela, we certainly appreciate you. Australia, the UK, London, Paris, 
we just certainly are grateful for those who tune in, no matter what the issue, no matter what the weather, <laughs> no matter what the technological glitch might be. We certainly appreciate you. Thank you, Stephanie, uh, for stopping by. Certainly appreciate you and yours. Alexis Williams, greetings and salutations. Jules, we certainly appreciate you for coming through. And it's always an honor to be in your light, in your presence, in your energy, your wisdom. Jules Birch is hailing from Wales. Thank you so much for coming through. Uh, we have a few people. Uh, Craig Burns is from the U.K. as well. So we certainly appreciate all of my regular support and participants. I, I want to talk about something today I probably have never talked about before. Um, and, and even now in a moment, I'm, I'm really stretching my mind going all the way back to 2005, Hurricane Katrina. I don't think we've ever talked about this, even briefly in the chat. But there's a popular trending thing that's happening among us right now. And some of you are aware of it, and some of you are going to find out about it today. Um, And that is the idea whether it be a physical manifestation for the individual or indeed a spiritual manifestation for the individual. And that is theory and spirit, theory and spirit, animal ancestors and theory and spirit. It's very hard to research this topic and not come across a wealth of information as it relates to animal ancestors among all Aboriginal and Indigenous people. The truth often remains embedded in in myths and legends and stories, Uh, but indeed there are scientific, uh, archaeological, evolutionary uh, basis for why our ancestors, our Aboriginal and Indigenous ancestors, began to formulate a relationship with nature beyond just, you know, what we eat and and spirit and healing, but and, and nature and, and its uh, weather, rain, heat, electricity, but certainly it began to also leave footprints of a much deeper interaction, um, humans having communication with birds, with reptiles, and certainly humans taking on animal forms. Now, now let me be clear. We might briefly nudge a subject about, you know, vampires, werewolves, you know, the like, but that's really not what I'm talking about today. We've done shows, but certainly in, in recent times, um, about archaeology and the development of humans from the hominids to present-day humans. And so the human evolution, the process by which human beings developed on Earth uh, from now extinct primates and and other forms of hominids 
to who we are today um, demonstrate a, a, a footprint of evolution, of change, uh, in some cases of transformation and, and metamorphosis that was very conscious in the minds of our ancestors and has only taken on um, theatrical and cinema, cinematography, cinema, cinematic and um, uh, entertainment-based demonstrations today. Viewed zoologically, we humans are homo sapiens. We are mammals. A culture-bearing, upright, walking species that lives on the ground and very likely first evolved in Mother Africa about 315,000 years ago. We are now the only living members of what many zoologists refer to as the human tribe. Hominini, or is it Hominini? H-O-M-I-N-I-N-I. But there is an abundant fossil evidence to indicate that we were preceded by millions of years of other hominins, such as now, these the spellings and the pronunciations, y'all, are going to be a little complex. Uh, A-R-D-I-P-I-T-H-E-C-U-S, Ardipithecus, and A-U-S-T-R-A-L-O-P-I-T-H-E-C-U-S, Australopithecus, and other species of Homo, meaning men or or humans, and that our species also lived for a time contemporaneously with at least one other member of our genus, most commonly known as the Neanderthals. In addition, we and our predecessors have always shared Earth with other ape-like primates, from the modern-day gorilla to the long-extinct D-R-Y-O-P-I-T-H-E-C-U-S, Dryopithecus, that we and that extinct hominins are somehow related and that we and the apes, both living and extinct, are also somehow related, is accepted by um, anthropologists and biologists everywhere. Yet the exact nature of our evolutionary relationships have been the subject of debate and investigation since the great British naturalist Charles Darwin published his monumental book on the origin of species, 1859, and the descent of man, 1871. Darwin never claimed some of his Victorian contemporaries insisted he had that man was descended from Let's be clear about that. And modern scientists would view such a statement as a useless simplification, just as they would dismiss any popular notions that a certain extinct species is the quote-unquote missing link between humans and the apes. There is theoretically, however, a common ancestor that existed millions of years ago. This 
ancestral species does not constitute a quote-unquote missing link along a lineage, but rather a node of divergence into separate lineages. This ancient primate has not been identified and may never be known with certainty because fossil relationships are unclear even within the human lineage, which is more recent. In fact, the human family tree be better described as a family bush within which it is impossible to connect a full chronological series of species leading to homo sapiens that experts can agree upon. In fact, I would suggest even that the quote-unquote missing link is between the material and the spirit, is between being homo, being uh, 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 sapien, being uh, uh Neanderthal being whatever we are, wood, fire, water, and stone, but really is that link between physicalness and consciousness or our very humanity and our divinity, our innate divinity. The primary resource for detailing the path of human evolution will always be fossil specimens. At least for now, until we know better and learn better and develop uh, different science for uh, identifying history through fossil remains and uh, material remains of that which once was and once existed. And certainly the trove of fossils from Africa, Eurasia, indicates that unlike today, more than one species of our family have lived for most of human history, the nature of specific fossil specimens and species can be accurately described, as can the location where, they, where they're found and the period of time in which they live. But questions of how species lived and why they might have either died out or evolved into other species can only be addressed by formulating scenarios albeit scientifically informed scenarios. These scenarios are based on contextual information gleaned from localities where the fossils were collected. In devising such scenarios and filling in the human family bush, researchers must consult a large and diverse array of fossils, and they must also employ refined excavation methods and records geochemical dating techniques, and data from other specialized fields such as genetic ecology, uh, paleoecology, ethology, ethology, which is animal behavior, (laughs) E-T-H-O-L-O-G-Y, and in short, all the tools of the multi- disciplinary science of paleoanthropology. And so we can look at evolution for some of the roots to the stories, to the legends, to the myths about animal ancestors and indeed human-animal hybrids. 
we see even in the animal kingdom today, species are defined as groups of living organisms consisting of similar individuals capable of exchanging genes or interbreeding. However, a hybrid animal occurs when parents from two different but usually extremely closely related species are able to produce offspring. The hybrid offspring of two different species are typically infertile, so not able to reproduce, though there are a number of exceptions. With scientific intervention and certain breeding techniques, including artificial insemination, it is possible to create a breeding line of hybridized animals that are actually fertile. And I I can remember from my days in the Nation of Islam hearing, you know, stories about Yaqub and this ancient ancestor creating, you know, a whole new ethnic group, a whole new race of people uh, in a laboratory. And so there are, you know, indeed these whispers and these hints and these rumors on, on both sides of the, of, the, of the line, the scientific, you know, archaeological perspective and then the cultural, spiritual nuances for um, really investigating further into animal ancestors and um, the idea of animal-human hybrids that may well have existed in a time that predates documented, recorded, written, even carved history uh, to some degree, even storytelling, if we accept the notion that, you know, the world uh, may have been, you know, destroyed more than once, as told by the Hopis, as told by the Dogon, as told by uh, many other ethnic groups around the world. When we think of a liger, a male tiger and a female lion, a tegon, a male lion and a female tiger, a jag lion, male jaguar and a female lion. These seem, you know, unique and unusual and, and maybe even freakish to some degree, but are real hybrids that have happened, that have occurred um, in, in the world. The leopon, a male leopard and a female lion, is a rare hybrid of a male leopard and a lioness that only has been produced in captivity. The leopard has stunning looks, much like a mythological beast, with the head of a lion and the body of a leopard. The first leopard was created in India in 1910, and over a century later, there are believed to be around 100 in the world. Uh, you have examples of... Um, Domesticated cats uh, then breeding with uh, other forms of felines. Uh, the savannah cat, which is a domestic cat and a serval cat. Uh, you have a, a toyger, a bingo cat mixed with a tabby cat. Toygers are a designer cat breed, bred from bingo and tabby cats to create a wild tiger look on a completely domesticated cat. So we we have modern notions of manipulation. We have ancient notions of manipulation. And then we go into some of the mythologies that originate in the aboriginal cultures around the world. 
And, and I'm going to focus primarily on Africa today. Ten mythical creatures in Africa and their legends. Maybe no con- continent has maybe no continent has more history of legendary myths, creatures, and devils than Africa being the second largest continent in the world. There is the place where the human story started, all things considered. It stays home to stories of monster reptiles, lost uh, plesiosaurus, and snakes with the head of an elephant. Maybe not many of them may be as famous as the Greek Medusa and Odiopus, but they still do exist. And to set the record straight, we choose to feature African legends because this is a African podcast. <laughs> this is an ATR uh, uh, podcast. And so if you were ever wondering what are the most popular African mythical creatures, I'm going to share some of them with you today. And the first is a rompo. R-O-M-P-O, Arampo. Arampo is a legendary monster with the head of a rabbit, arms like a badger, legs like a bear, and a skeletal middle and human ears. It is ravenous for human, fragile living creatures and sings a resonating tune to itself as it feeds. The legend of the Rampo is common in African countries, including South, Central, and Eastern African regions. The Grootslang, G-R-O-O-T-S-L-A-N-G, Grootslang, a monster freshwater animal recorded in the mythology of the Zulu and the Kausa clans of South Africa. The Grootslang is believed to be among the very first animals created by God. It is an elephant-snake hybrid with lots of intelligence, strength, craftiness, and additionally the habit of stealing jewels and valuable items. The name translation of Groose Lang is Awesome Serpent, Awesome Serpent. The next is Popobawa, P-O-P-O-B-A-W-A, Popobawa. Popobawa is a one-eyed bat-winged creature with the smell of sulfur. It is a polymorphic animal which takes on different shapes, people, animals, and even bats, as the name suggests. This is considered an evil mythological creature with a horrendous reputation of attacking male, female, and children and assaulting them both physically and sexually. Usually victims are encouraged to tell the story lest Popo Bawa comes back and assaults them once more and again. A next... um, mythological creature goes back a little bit further in time. We go back to Kemet, ancient Egypt, and this deity is Amit, A-M-M-I-T, Amit. Hardly any societies 
do fearsome gods like the antiquated Egyptians. The growling, snapping, meat-eating Amit is one such grim animal from the season of Pharaohs, a female evil spirit that was part lion, part hippo, and crocodile. Amit would eat up the souls of the recent dead if they still carried on their bad habits into the next world. She is representation of celestial requital, karmic, universal karmic law, if you will, and the bearer of instant death to those who were found unbalanced on the scales of Maya justice. Impandulu, I've talked about Impandulu on at least three or four occasions uh, throughout the years on this podcast. The Impandulu is a vampire-like animal found in the Zulu, the Hausa, and other clans in South Africa, and it is reared by a witch who passes in, who passes it on to her daughter. It is passed down um, matrilineally, if you will, through, through a family of witches. And it appears as a highly contrasting feathered creature, frequently as huge as a person, and is said to have forked lightning and its excrement and thunder in the flapping of its wings. It also has a huge appetite for blood and sex and feeds on both animals and humans. Another one, uh, mythological African mythological creature I've, I've talked about a few times over the years, is Abada. The Abada is an animal that looks somewhat like the legendary unicorn promoted in different types of Western old stories. Instead of the notable single horn of the unicorn, the Abada has two horns on its head. Like the unicorn, in any case, the sharp prongs of the Abada are accepted to contain cures for illnesses and uh, counteractions to harms and poisons and bad magic. The Abada legend principally hails from what is current Democratic Republic of Congo, However, reports of comparative animals go down from age to age have likewise been recorded in any um, semblance of North and South Sudan also. You also have some similar Abada-like mythological creatures in some other regions, but but they often take on uh, completely different uh, names and, and representations, and, and if I have the opportunity, I'll, I'll cover that to the best of my ability. The Abada legend principally hails from the Democratic Republic of Congo, but when we think about the size of, of the Congo, uh, and then, of course, its uh, movement, its mobility, uh, voluntary and involuntary movements in that region, we certainly see Abada showing up, not just in the North and South Sudan, but in other um, coast regions around the the DRC. The next 
mythological being is the Inkan Ramba. I-N-K-A-N-Y-A-M-B-A, Inkan Yamba. A mammoth, serpent-like animal. And the leader of a stallion of other animals. And in some different portrayals, a zebra. Inkan Yamba is said to live in the profound pools underneath Howick Falls in the north and of South Africa. The Zulu clan of the encompassing district once trusted the Inkanyamba. Outrage was the reason for regular brutal tempests, regular brutal storms. Uh, we see a similar um, reference in, I believe the movie was Stargate. And Inkanyamba, this mammoth serpent-like animal, came up out of the sand, I believe it was, and made war uh, with the people. Some of you remember that in, in the movie Stargate. Uh, it, it was something that they rarely saw but had a great fear of. And so this mythological creature is, is believed to create, you know, dust storms, sandstorms, uh, other forms of, of tempest, e- even locust tempest. The individuals who woke it from its sleep welcomed its rage as tornadoes, uh, subterranean rains and surges, and would said to would imply it. It is said that they would utilize it, employ it against the enemies and against uh, enemy tribes and enemy ethnic groups, if you will, and that the serpent-like animal got out of the control of humanity. The next is the Ninki Nanka, N-I-N-K-I, N-A-N-K-A, Ninki Nanka. It's said to be a mammoth bog abiding animal found in West African nations, for example, Senegal and Gambia. Portrayals change from town to town and clan to clan, yet most concur that it is a sort of a reptile. Some say it is comparable in appearance to a crocodile, while others believe it is similar to a mythological beast with intelligence scales and the capacity to spit fire. Legend has it that few who see the Inki Nanka live to tell the story. A great many people who see it will bite the dust inside half a month if the creature hasn't just dragged them off into the marsh when it is spotted. Um, We have similar legends, and we don't call them bogs. We call them the bayou here in in Louisiana um, of, you know, monstrous uh, mythological creatures that are said to inhabit the swamp region. Uh, Lugaru is probably the most notable, most well-known of those uh, creatures, mythological creatures that are said to exist in the swamps and uh, beneath the bogs of, of the Louisiana 
uh, coastal region. Another deity that I've posted on Instagram a few times over the years, uh, a bit of a mermaid-like figure, Jangu, J-E-N-G-U, Jengu. Jengu or Jangu the mermaid. The Jengu's appearance differs from people to people, but it is said to be beautiful, mermaid-like figures with long hair and uh, gap-tooth smiles. A Jengu, and in plural, Mengu, is a water spirit in the traditional beliefs of the Sawa ethnic groups of Cameroon. They live in rivers and the sea and bring good fortune to worshipers. They are also helpers and intermediaries between people and spirits. A Jengu cult has long enjoyed popularity in Cameroon. For the inland Bakwiri, B-A-K-W-E-R-I, the Bakwiri people, Jengu worship is a rite of passage for eight to ten-year-old girls. During this time, the girl must wear a dress made of fern, fern fonds and observe a series of taboos. After this period, she is a full member of the cult. There are many mermaid creatures in mythology across the continent um, of Africa. This love mermaid-looking creature with fleecy hair and a, a whole tooth grin or a gap tooth grin lives and resides, is said to live and reside in waterways and even in oceans. She is common among the Sawa, among other people of Cameroon, Senegambia, uh, Abuja, Benin, and Togo. The Jingu is praised for its ability to heal the sick and bring good luck to its loyalists. Um, Mamiwata can take on the form of a Jengu, and we often see her paint, painted on or depicted on uh, ceremonial shrines, temple places, uh, in, in that Jengu form. In some communities, a Jengu held reverence as mediators between people and spirits. Similar Mangu folklore can be found in Western African nations, the Caribbean, and America. And of course, the phoenix, probably one of the more ancient and most commonly recognizable um, features on, on the mother continent, is a beautiful bird with a falcon or heron appearance, known for its everlasting status. It is a good mythical creature associated with the rising sun and enjoys a cozy relationship with the sun god. The phoenix exists as a single bird in a thousand years or so span. And when it feels an approaching death, it assembles a memorial fire made of cinnamon and sweet-smelling materials and lets itself be consumed by it. At that point, the old phoenix dies and then a new one arises. And comparative to these animal stories, uh, greetings to anyone I've missed in the chat. We also find very similar um, 
very similar uh, human-animal hybrids that I'm going to talk about now. Uh, just let me clear out my chat a little bit. Uh, did I miss anything, y'all? Greetings, greetings. <laughs> I see you, Jules. I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> yes, indeed. I still can't pronounce it. Uh, the Goddess Initiative, greetings, brings to you. Uh, yeah, they they are crazy, and they are uh, many more. Uh, uh, the initial, the uh, infinite one lives. Uh, animal uh, hybrids that are not just mythological, but um, either have been manufactured by humans, or you know have somehow manufa- you know been manufactured in nature uh, that we could also uh, talk about. <laughs> the guys in this I mean, if they can't mix a grape and an apple and an amethyst with a citron in the lab, I'm sure if they can, yeah, I'm sure the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I'm sure they are. And, and I don't think it's um, new. I don't think it's new to our time period either. We certainly can, uh, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, go back in time. Aunt Mary's niece, greetings, beloved. Uh, hello, uh, Hafaz. Greetings to you as well. Um, we certainly are going to look at animal-human hybrids as well. Now, every part of the world has its own cultural folklore and mythology. And in every mythology, there are unique creatures throughout the globe who are only half-human as they hybridize with some animal to form a mystic creature or because they can change their form or transform or metamorphosize. There are some outstanding mythological creatures formed by animals and humans, being, you know, human beings sharing bodies. And let's see which animal human beings have shared their bodies with in mythology. Now, some of them I've already covered um, in the uh, listing of um, animal hybrids, uh, not animal hybrids, my apology, mythological hybrids in, in mythological animal hybrids in the motherland. And of course, I've shared some uh, more modern, if you consider 1880 to, to the present, more modern animal hybrids either created uh, in the lab uh, or under unique circumstances, again, with, you know, a bit of aid from, uh, from human beings. Uh, the color bear, polar bears and brown bears, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, are seen frequently in the wild, but I'm not sure that they necessarily began um, being acknowledged as breeding in the wild until DNA technology caught up and, and was then able to determine that that was actually happening. But understand there are still species of animals and insects and, and, and other life forms on the planet on Earth that we still have never witnessed breeding or how they breed. So 10 hybrid, hybridized humanoid types in mythology. 
So, of course, there's the, the very uh, popular and all-consuming uh, tales about shapeshifters. Another unique category of mythological humanoids is shapeshifters. And there are several examples. Encantado is a Brazilian folk creature often described as a shape-shifting snake, but mostly refers to dolphins that have the ability to transform to humans. On the other hand, werewolves appear in European folklore as humans who can turn to wolves. There are also some other versions of werewolves, such as werehyena, werecat, um, and, and, and your theorians of today, of course, that uh, believe that they are not necessarily um, werewolves, but believe that they possess the spirit, the heart, the mind, uh, and in some cases live, live a double life as a human and and a wolf. There are other animals that are uh, elephant-headed and Hindu, uh, Ganesh, the humanoid monkey deity named uh, Hanuman in Hinduism, um, fairies, which are humans with wings. Um, there are, uh, uh, with, uh, I'm trying to pull from my memory now, uh, Anazazi uh, is a, a spider-human hybrid. Uh, we look at Mesopotamia and Syria. We see bull-human hybrids. Many mythological creatures are there which have a cross between a bull and a human. One virgin is the Assyrian Lamassu who has a bull's body, human's head, and eagle's wings. You have the Minotaur uh, among the Greek human body, head of a bull. You have Chio, the Chinese tyrant, is another example of a mythological creature with a similar structural depiction. Some Peronis, P-U-R-A-N-A-S, described Nandi, the gatekeeper in Hindu mythology, as a bull-faced creature with a human body. Uh, you have, in many mythologies from around the world, dogs and humans have formed humanoid mythological creatures. Some examples are the Chinese tree spirit called Pangol, P-E-N-G-H-O-U, Pangho, with a human head and a dog's body. The dog-headed um, Cynocephaly, C-Y-N-O-C-E-P-H-A-L-Y, the Japanese Tangu, and the Inuit Atlet, A-D-L-E-T, Atlet, with the man's upper body and the lower part of a dog. And why, you know, entertainers and storytellers and movie creators haven't uh, expanded beyond, you know, your classic werewolf, werewolf and vampire uh, ideology is, is just, I don't know, baffling to me. Um, we have human-lion hybrid. The king of the jungle has joined body with humans to form many uh, astounding mythological creatures. And while we call the lion the king of the jungle, and the lion doesn't really live in the jungle, um, leopards are more likely to live in the jungle, you know, is, is, is a digression in another story. 
the Sphinx is a mythological creature of Greek, Kemetic, Asian origin with the head of a human and the body of a lion, occasionally depicted with wings. Manticore is the Persian version of the Sphinx, M-A-N-T-I-C-O-R-E, Manticore is the Persian version of the Sphinx. The Lamassu, the Assyrian protective deity with the body of a lion, wings of an eagle, head of a human. Uh, Mahes, M-A-H-E-S, Mahes, the, or Mahe, the Egyptian god of war. And Sekhmet, the Egyptian warrior goddess, were both animals with human body and lion's head. Uh, Narasimha, N-A-R-A-S-I-M-H-A. Narasimha, an avatar of the Hindu god Vishnu, is visualized with the human torso and lower body and the face and claws of a lion. We have horse hybrids. There are many humanoids in the mythologies around the world which are half humans and half horses. Cenotar are Greek mythological creatures with the body and legs of a horse and the head, torso, and arms of a human. The female counterpart is the uh, centauride, which in Philippine mythology is a female counterpart with the body of a horse and, and the upper body proportions of a female and is presented as an angate, A-N-G-G-I-T-A-Y, angate. Another version of the Greek centaurs are the ipotanes, I-P-O-T-A-N-E-S, ipotanes that also had the ears of a horse. The Greek uh, ethiocentaurs, I-C-H-T-H-Y-O-C-E-N-T-A-U-R-S, have the upper body of a man, the tail of a fish, and the lower front of a horse. In Islam, the Islamic creature, al-Baruk, A-L-B-U-R-A-K, al-Baruk, the Hindu creature, Hayagriva, H-A-Y-A-G-R-I-V-A, Hayagriva, the horse face of Chinese mythology, and the Tikbalang, T-I-K, B-A-L-A-N-G, Tikbalang of the Philippine folklore are all humanoids with the head of horses. Kinara is half human and half horse, according to the Buddhist and Hindu mythologies in India. Kinara, K-I-N-N-A-R-A, Kinara. We have, of course, snake-human hybrids. Oh, we could easily begin with Dambala and, um, and, and certainly Oshimare. But snakes, generally viewed as a vicious creature, have been seen to share body with humans in many forms of mythological creatures. 
In Hindu mythology, for instance, Ketu, K-E-T-U, is the descending lunar node, and is depicted as an asura with the tail of a great snake. Ishinda, E-C-H-I-D-N-A, Ishidna, the mother of all monsters in Greek mythology, is a half-nymph with a beautiful human face and is half-serpent. Lamia, L-A-M-I-A, Lamia, the mistress of the Greek god Zeus, is described to have a serpent's tail below the waist, according to some accounts. In Chinese mythology, Nuwa, N-U-W-A, Nuwa and Fuxi, F-U, capital X-I, Fuxi are siblings, where Nuwa is the female counterpart and Fuxi is the male, and they have human-like bodies with serpentine tails. And Zhulong, Z-H-U-L-O-N-G, is a giant red solar deity with a human face and a snake body. Coquette, K-A-U-K-E-T, Coquette, who is a female form of Kuk, K-U-K, in Egyptian mythology, is a snake-headed woman. The Greek mythological creatures, Gargons, G-O-R-G-O-N-S, Gargons, are three sisters, Sethno, S-T-H-E-N-O, Sethno, Eurali, E-U-R-Y-A-L-E, Eurali, and Medusa. Most of us have only heard of Medusa, who are snake-haired humanoid monsters. Hatuabwari, H-A-T-U-I, B like boy, W-A-R-I. Hatuabwari is a Melanesian dragon with a human head, a serpentine body, and the wings of a bat. The cobra-headed Merit Seeger, M-E-R-E-T-S-E-G-E-R. Merit Seeger from Egypt is another example. Um, of course, we know countless humanoid fish species. And, 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 the, and the questions begin to arise. Why so many stories? Why so many creatures? Um, often that predate modern archaeological documentation. Um, and when do we reintroduce extraterrestrial intervention as another possible uh, reasoning for so many hybrid animals and humanoids in earlier history and culture? It, it would be too easy to, uh, you know, wave our hand and, you know, these were primitive people who maybe didn't have science or maybe didn't always understand what they saw. Uh, but we also know that many of these cultures ate a, a much more diverse uh, palette of, of food items than uh, we even do today. Uh, many of you couldn't even imagine killing and cutting up your own uh, goat, your own chicken, your own pig, 
you know, every other day or every two or three days, you know, to feed yourself. Uh, we have become so disconnected from nature and from where our, our food comes from. And, and certainly we are disconnected from nature, um, say for those of us who, you know, are totally addicted to Nat Geo and, and other documentaries, you know, who love to see, you know, new animals, new plant life, you know, new germ life, you know, new explorations, you know, in science. But societies around the world as a whole are greatly disconnected today from nature, from animal life, from plant life, um, and certainly can too easily um, make the, the assertion that our ancestors were somehow just ignorant or, or, or just had vivid imagination uh, or, or just didn't know what they saw or what they were seeing, you know, that somehow ended up in documented and, and recorded history, in some cases carved in stone. But yet we accept the assertion that they just somehow didn't know what they saw or what they were seeing. Uh, rather than the idea that we might just still be ignorant ourselves and disconnected, uh, even from the scientific uh, level, about early Earth life and early Earth um, civilizations. Certainly the Hopi, as one powerful example, speak of the Earth being destroyed, I believe, at least four times. Um, and, and the, you know, going beneath ground to reemerge again and then the retelling the recounting of you know what they found what they found there and no sooner than you are free to come out into the air again into the sun again into the oxygen oxygen again you're certainly going to see plant life animal life that would not have been describable we are still finding animal life and plant life that is not describable, and it's completely new to us. So many mythological creatures are hybrids of human beings, fish, crab, um, lobster, uh, other forms of sea life. The most classic example, of course, is the mermen and mermaids who appear in cultures worldwide from Northeastern Asian, African cultures, the first appearance of this creature goes back to Assyrian mythology that depicts the goddess Atar Gat Gatis. Atar Gatis, A T A R G A T I S, converting herself into a mermaid. Uh, in, in parentheses here, I have D E R C E T O, Derceto. I don't, uh, and, I, and I'm not sure if Derceto was another name for Artergatus um, or, or more of a cultural nuance around the goddess. Um, but certainly um, you all are welcome to do your homework, which is why I'm taking so much time to spell um, some of these words. Triton, T-R-I-T-O-N, the Greek god who is the messenger of the sea, Triton is represented as a merman. Um, they have a human upper body and a scaly fish tail. 
other mythological creatures of similar structure. Siyokoi, S-I-Y-O-K-O-Y, Siyokoi. Serena, S-I-R-E-N-A, and Dicebel, D-Y-E-S-E-B-E-L. Serena and Dicebel in Philippine mythology are considered Jingu. And, and again, in plural, M-I-E-N-G-U, Menju, in the Sawa traditions in the Cameroon. The Dogon, a half-human and a half-fish, is the uh, ancestor of, of their whole lineage, uh, of their whole existence. The Mesopotamian god, um, a fertility god, appears in the Bible as well under the name Dogon, um, half-fish, half-human. So Dogon is known among the Dogon. Dogon is also known among the Mesopotamian. And Dogon shows up in the Bible as humanoid fish um, hybrids. Matsya, M-A-T-S-Y-A, is an avatar of a Hindu god, Vishnu, depicted with a human torso and a fish rear. Avatia, A-V-A-T-E-A, according to Cook Island's mythology is a lunar deity and the father of gods and men and has the right half of a human and the left half of a fish. And we've talked already about the um, the uh, the I C H T H Y O Ichithio Centaurs. In Greek mythology, sometimes I pronounce it right, sometimes I don't. <laughs> a couple of sea gods with the torso of a human and the lower front of a horse and the tail of a fish. We have many mythological creatures who are bird-human hybrids several mythological creatures that are half-human and half-bird. Harpies are female monsters in the Greek and Roman mythologies, depicted as birds with the faces of women. Lilith is a female demon existing in the Jewish mythology, are women with wings and bird legs. Sirens, the Greek femme fatales, are described variously as different combinations of birds and women, with the latter descriptions emphasizing more on their humanization. The Russian counterpart of a siren is the siren, S-I-R-I-N, and the alkonost, A-L-K-O-N-O-S-T, alkonost, as its counterpart. All three have unique singing abilities that can make the listener forget everything else go into trances. In Russian folklore, Gamayun, G-A-M-A-Y-U-N, appears as a prophetic bird with a woman's head and is very wise and knowledgeable. In the Southeast Asian mythology, Kinaras, K 
K-I-N-N-A-R-A-S, the celestial musicians and eternal lovers are creatures with a human and upper body and the body of a bird from waist downwards. Karora, K-A-R-U-R-A, is a Japanese Hindu Buddhist mythological creature with a human body and bird's head based on the Hindu mythological creatures, Garuda, G-A-R-U-D-A, which is a gigantic eagle with a human body. Egyptian gods with bird's heads are Matu, Horus, Seker, uh, and, and of course Ra. And we certainly cannot neglect in any way the Yoruba Iyami, that sacred and mystical power of women, often interpreted as uh, to mean magic or witchcraft, uh, and their chief avatar is a bird, uh, or, or, or birds, if you will. And so these women and men who possess Iyami and the power of Iyami are also said to be able to take flight and communicate with birds and, and flying entities um, of various types. Um, I'm so glad uh, the Goddess Initiative. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, peace and blessings, Neophyte Bokor. So glad you're here with us. I'm sure you have stories to tell. Uh, thank you so much. And many thanks to Credo Matwa's books. Thank you, Gene uh, uh, Williams, for that. Uh, let's see, Jules Birch. Homo sapiens, just like us physically, but I believe a much more advanced and widely utilized connection with their natural surroundings, physically, um, metaphysically. Okay, Agwe's consort is is a mermaid. Yes, Lazarin. Absolutely. Uh, Imani, welcome, beloved. Peace and blessings, Imani Sankofa. Thank you so much. I offer everyone. Uh, at your leisure to go back and re-listen uh, in the archives at youtube.com forward slash V-O-O-D-O-O-T-Y-E and also on my blog talk radio page, uh, which is doing great today, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash divine dash prince. All is a blessing. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Aunt Mary's niece. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I should be on camera so y'all can see the pronunciation and the movement of my tongue and my lips and all of that. But uh, I'm certainly spelling so that my um, erudite audience can take the time to go back and research. I'm also going to post here shortly uh, documents and links and URL addresses to um, we're in tune, Neophyte Bokor, to um, some of the uh, research that I had to do to sort of pull this together because um, certainly these aren't all sort of listed in one place at one time. Otherwise, they'd, they'd be everywhere and, we, and we'd all know about it. So um, it took a little exploratory research 
it, to pull some some different articles and uh, information together. I even found out about things that I was not aware of. Um, the uh, cold wolf or coyote and wolf. I, I didn't know coyotes and wolves uh, ever mixed at all. And coyotes and wolves only, only diverged around 200,000 years ago. And the two species are still able to mate and produce viable offspring known as chi-wolf, C-O-Y-W-O-L-F. Chi-wolves share many of the characteristics of their two parents and are somewhere in between a chi-wolf and a wolf in size when fully grown. It's not known where the chi-wolves are animals that mate for life, like both of the, the mother species, the parent species do. Uh, I had never heard of a, a wolf fin, a male false killer whale, and female bottlenose dolphin. And uh, I've got pictures of these creatures too, by the way. I started to share them. I didn't quite get it together. Um in time for the beginning of the show. Some of these creatures are just um, beyond words. It's, it's certainly would stroke dreams and imagination and uh, creativity. Uh, Mrs. Jones, wondering if you know the language of the ancestors' native tongue that were made to wear the shield with the knives. Um, not offhand. Not offhand. I would have to look into that a little bit. Not offhand. But I appreciate the question, uh, though it is, as you said, uh, just a little bit off topic. But I certainly appreciate the, the question. And and then, of course, there are just so many goat-humanoid hybrids. Some of the mythological creatures with the upper body of a human and the rest of the body of a goat are Fawn, Pan, Satyr, Selenus, and, of course, the devil. The Fawn, F-A-U-N, is a rustic Roman god, goddess of the forest and is associated with Pan, the Greek god of flocks and shepherds, as well as his companions, the sitars or satyrs, S-A-T-Y-R-S, Selenus, S-I-L-E-N-U-S, is the rustic god of the dance of the wine press, and is older than satyrs, or satyrs, S-A-T-Y-R-S primarily from the Greek mythology. Devil, the enemy of God, and the personification of evil, and exists in many religions and cultures, all these creatures have a human torso, while waist downward, they are goat-like. And on the other hand, according to Hindu culture, Daksha, D-A-K-S-H-A, noble king and son of Lord Brahma got his got his replaced by a goat's head after he was beheaded. So we see um, 
goat in, in many forms of hybrid uh, throughout the world. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we'd be remiss to not even discuss alien inter- intervention. Uh, Baphomet, P- yes, Baphomet. For, for my listening audience, B-A-P-H-O-M-E-T, Baphomet. I believe Baphomet was Mesopotamian. Uh, Craig Burns, am I correct? Jules Birch just seen fish-human hybrid mummified remains in a small museum in Canada. Wow, that must be interesting. Wasn't allowed to dissect, unfortunately. Okay. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. So we can talk about human evolution, animal evolution, planetary change and evolution, but certainly this discussion um, must include some discussion on extraterrestrial intervention. And I've heard many stories um, about, long before Yaku, um, extraterrestrials experimenting, seeking to create suitable likenesses and representations of themselves, uh, much like the, the Bible, the magical book speculates that the gods created man in its own image, and that there were many mistakes. That same magical book suggests that Noah's flood, a great purpose was to help to alleviate some of those supposed hybrids, uh, mistakes, giants, um, other scary creatures that existed on the planet that were a detriment to the survival of humanity. Uh, I often, you know, go into my imagination and just envision humans uh, living amongst dinosaur populations. And, and we know now that certainly humans live among certain dinosaur populations. They, they, they coexisted um, at a similar time uh, in, in, in archaic history. Uh, but, but, you know, we look at movies like Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, um, we get a much scarier idea of humans trying to exist with super ginormous, massive entities um, on the planet. Even forestry and, and plant life was not safe, you know, from, from the massive size and weight and movement of, of uh, dinosaurs, you know, on the planet. Uh, the goddess initiative asked, was it Pan or Baphomet, the Templars worship before they loaned the king money and he decided to kill and rob them instead? I believe it was Baphomet, but I'm willing to be stand corrected. But I believe it was. Thank you, Queen Sheba. We certainly appreciate you and your consistent attendance and participation. Uh, Craig Burns says, Pan was the god of hedonism. Yes, and he was taken to the battlefield. His war choir was panic. Uh, Absolutely, and Pan is still acknowledged here in in New Orleans 
uh, during carnival. In fact, um, many deities and, and ancient gods, you know, are being acknowledged and worshipped and honored and 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 represented in carnival every year. Uh, and just many of you just don't know it. <laughs> and certainly, pan and hedonism are celebrated uh, in the city of New Orleans in the French Quarter, particularly during carnival. Also doing gay decadence uh, to, to some degree, but certainly doing carnival, which we're in the full throes of, and certainly um, uh, Mardi Gras. Technically, Mardi Gras Tuesday Fat or Fat Tuesday is the culmination of carnival. It's the, it's the last day of carnival. Lundi Gras is the Monday. Mardi Gras is the Tuesday that sort of the, the crown, the icing on the cake of, of the carnival season. Uh, let me go back to my chat here. Yeah, I, I like mind exercises, Queen of Sheba. I like to envision things, use my imagination, because I believe there's a thin veil between the spirit realm and our own imagination and our ability to transport ourselves. Um, in time and place um, to better understand, better empathize, better sympathize with other races, other animal life, plant life, the planet itself, uh, other forms of even our own selves. And so we must be open like a little child, you know, in our creative imagination to, um, you know, what is it like to be a plant? What is it like to be a tree? What is it like to be, you know, another person, um, another culture, you know, live in a different time period? And so, uh, yeah, Jules Birch, there is some evidence of uh, hominids uh, coexisting with dinosaurs. It is more recent. Um, and when I say recent, I want to say in the last, 10 years maybe, uh, in the archaeological record, uh, finding, uh, for example, uh, dinosaur remains that fell into a, a cave or uh, a, 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 what do you all call it in the UK, a bog, and existing in the same layer of time with seafood remains, you know, fish bones, uh, shellfish, you know, remains. Uh, in some archaeological digs inside caves, um, they're finding remains of, of uh, hominid or, or, you know, not human, but hominid, uh, Neanderthal and older. Um, th that's what I meant, Neanderthal or older, um, not human species, um, coexisting. But, you know, we have this thing of wanting to dumb down Neanderthal, who discovered clothing yourself long before the Adam and the Eve story, who, who discovered housing yourself, who discovered um, um, fire, you know. And so uh, it, it was just a typo of the tongue. Um, I didn't mean human, human. I meant hominids, uh, our ancestors who lived and exist and built and created um, uh, you know, societies and civilizations long before 
quote unquote human as we know it scientifically today. Um, uh, Queen of Sheba says Pan was bad and good, she thinks. Craig Burns says the death of Pan is considered to be the birth of Jesus. Uh, I'm familiar with that with that understanding uh, as well. Uh, he was an androgynous spirit. I imagine so much of what I do prior to the action. That creativity is a talent that is passed down. Photographic memory is as well. Yeah, and I believe that we held on to some of our skills and abilities from nature itself, uh, from other animal life, from other plant life that, you know, managed to stay within uh, earth molecular and and cellular structures, DNA structures. And so we benefit from some of those um, leaps, if you will, in in natural progression um, leading up to hominids and subsequently humans. Um, and, And we talk about primates and mammals and you know, uh, lemurs, I, I believe, is a part of that that chain of events. Um, and as we go back even further in our scientific understanding, um, yeah, I'll be glad to do that. There are documentaries. There are documentaries everywhere, um, Jules, about um, Neanderthals and um, pre-human hominids. Um, finding evidence of them coexisting with uh, dinosaurs. The idea that there was, you know, on the planet but large animals and flying animals and is, is, is not only partially true. Uh, and let's see. Um, Queen Pan represents hedonism, but who can guess what God would enjoy? Yeah, and gods can also be cruel. Says, uh, says Jill Burns. Uh, I also believe that that sort of cruelty element has also a great deal to do with the weather and where a culture um, and a people evolve. Um, when we think about uh, Christianity, for example, and um, some of its sort of harsh of God and and his, you know, uh, lack of persons or, 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 you know, respect, lack of respect for persons and uh, and, and are being as rags and, you know, all this sort of thing. But then when I look at societies and cultures much closer to the equator, much more temperate regions, much more abundant fruit uh, year-round, sources year-round, um, you don't get that same dogmatic, um, sort of darker, cruel uh, demonstration of, of God, or religion for that matter, um, as you do in the colder northern regions of the world. And so I think that also plays a role in how um hominids and, and subsequently humans began to uh, organize ourselves from the rest of our environment, uh, subsequently leading to us 
sort of reorganizing ourselves separate from God uh, and, and from divinity as something separate from us. You know, created us and exists within us, but somehow lives so well high in the body, yet sees and, and takes. 